I'm going to speak this morning from the book of Acts. And as you know, we've all been going through the book of Acts um, in the daily readings. Uh, some of it's on Facebook. Some people are doing it, you know, from the Bible and stuff like that. And uh, for a season, I've been listening to it every morning. And I feel like God is speaking to me through that. I've been listening to it on my iPad. And, uh, you know, the book of Acts is absolutely amazing. But... Uh, I'm going to share a bit about um, Paul and his life. And Paul comes into a, a, a town, a city called Ephesus. And, um, you know, Ephesus, in some way, shape or form, uh, reminds me of the city of Dublin. And you'll know what I mean when I get into it here. And sometimes preachers, as a way of getting a message across and bringing us back to the day and time when it was written, uh, I'm going to share a little, bit, a little bit about what Ephesus was like. And how the kingdom of God was expressed in Ephesus. And to me, it's no different. It might have been a different time. It might have been 2,000 years ago. It might have been different people dressed differently or whatever. But there were people who were living in the city and the same gospel that was preached then was preached now. And that's what I'm going to preach this morning. The same gospel that Paul preached then, I'm going to preach now. Amen? So, and I shared... I don't usually... Um, I don't usually... Uh, title me messages but you know I felt to title this one and, I, and I, I titled it have you met him have you met him so I want to keep away to 10 to 12 so Ephesus was a bustling city and it was the marketplace of minor Asia in those days trade followed the river valleys so wherever there was rivers there was coming and going of foreign ships and boats and trading goods etc 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 it was the richest hinterland of minor Asia. The word hinterland means a land or town behind a port or coastline. Ephesus was a town that the Roman governor came to from time to time to try important cases of justice. And everyone knew the power of the Roman government at that time. Ephesus was a location of the Pannonian Games, which some say to be on par with the Olympic Games at that time. It was the somewhat home of the frowned upon criminal. There was a temple there called Diana, and it possessed the right of asylum. Thus to say, any criminal reaching there or the area around the temple was safe. Inevitably, Ephesus becoming the home of criminals of the ancient world. It was a town of superstition and was famous for charms, spells, called Ephesian letters, which were said to be guaranteed to give you children to the childless and bring success and love and business, etc., etc. People came from all over the world to buy these magic parchments, which, we, which they wore around their neck as lucky charms. It was a place that people put their trust in absolutely everything. And guys, what I said there about parchments and superstitions and all this sort of stuff spells and charms and all I just want to take a moment to tell you that if you've ever come into contact with any of that and this is not to put fear out there because listen, the blood of Jesus is greater than all of that, right? the blood of Jesus is greater than all of that but me as a preacher and a teacher I have to tell you that if you have come into contact with any of that or you get your tarot cards read or you get, you know, you've been into spells or Ouija boards or any of this stuff 
uh, wind chimes or you know all these dream catches and all that stuff I want to tell you you need to repent and you need to turn from God and you need to put the blood of Jesus between you and that yeah because don't let anything hold you back because anything of that nature anything of tarot cards and spells and charms and parchments and all that sort of stuff it's contrary to what the Bible says and we live by the Bible and we believe what the Bible says and the Bible says stay away from it because it only brings it opens up doors and it opens up spiritual things that you might not be able to handle you see and I'll give you a little story it only came to me the other day last week I was down in um, Portland so I had to go and meet a fella and I was selling him a van and I was taking a van as a trade in and for some reason I just went to meet him halfway he asked me so I said right go on I'll go meet you halfway so I went, in, I went met him in the garage met him halfway he took his stuff out of his van, put it into the van I was selling him. Um, got the old envelope off him, as you do. The important parts, yeah? And, uh, but he says to me, I want you to have something. And I says, what? And uh, he says, you can have that in the window. And there was a, a dream catcher, a big dream catcher in the window of the van. And I says to him, oh, you're all right, pal. He says, you can take it with you. <laughs> but he got a little bit offended. And he was a greyhound trainer. And he says to me, he says, Oh, when I bought this van, he says, I brought this new dog that I bought to the track. And he says, the first night I brought him, he says, he won it. And it was because of that dream catcher. And I was like, yeah, right. What a lie he's believing. Right? Dream catcher. So he says, I want you to have it because the look will go with you. And I says, no, take it. But he was having none of it. So anyway, he says, I want you to have it. So I says, right, sound, go on. So anyway, off he drove out in the van. The minute he drove out, down the electric window, out the window, the dream catcher went. But then, then, I prayed. And I put the blood of Jesus between me and anything that that resembled or anything that was prayed in that van. And I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity this morning here, real quick, 20 seconds. That I want everybody to close their eyes. Everybody to close their eyes. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Remind us, Lord, of anything that we would have having to do with the occult or charms or spells Lord God or tarot cards or any time we opened ourselves up to anything like this Lord remind us Lord now as symbolically I ask you to put your hands out if something's come to you put your hands out and just put it out before God if you believe there's something bring it out and put it before God because you're giving it to him and I want you to pray this with me Lord Jesus I give you anything that separates me from you and that and that brings anything of the occult or charms or spells into my life. And Lord, I break any agreement with it and I place the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary between me and it. Amen. Amen. That's it. It's done. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. So you can see the type of city. You can see the type of city that Paul was going into, that he was going into preaching. It was a city somewhat like ours. Do you believe? Crime. It might have been different back then than it is now. But I'm sure there was drugs and there was all sorts of stuff back then as well. You just had different names on them. There was robbery going on. There was thievery going on. There was prostitution going on. There was absolutely everything going on back then. Actually, back then when you read sometimes in the Bible... Like in Sodom and Gomorrah or something. There was absolute madness going on. And it's the same thing as what's going on today. 
You know, and in Ephesus there was the pride and joy of Ephesus, and it was the glory of Ephesus, and it was called the Temple of Artemis. It was the temple was given one. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a great temple with 127 pillars, each of which were a gift from a king. Each of them pillars that were put up in this temple were a gift from a king. The image of Artemis was not a nice looking image. It was black, many breasted figure signifying fertility and it was, the, it was that old that nobody knew where it came from. Some believe that it fell from heaven. This is what you were dealing with at that time in them days. So you see the type of city that God was trying to save. To some degree, the same type of city as our own Dublin. But God had a plan for this great city. Just like he has a plan for this city of Dublin. Do you believe that? Amen. Marie talked about it. Sharon talked about it. God has a plan for this city. That's why we're here. That's why we're asking each and every person, well, share the gospel. Share the gospel. Is that right, Mary? Oh, share the gospel. Share the gospel. You just don't know. You could walk out that door, as Marie says. I could walk out the door, but thank God I know where I'm going. I could walk out that door, get a slap of a car, and I'm gone. But I know where I'm going. I'm going home. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to heaven. But if you don't know where you're going today, if you were to go out there today, and I'm not putting fear in anybody, but what I'm doing is I'm letting you know that there's a way out. There's a way out. And if you don't know where you're going, I'm talking into eternity. I'm not talking in an hour's time or two hours' time from here. I'm talking about eternity. If you don't know where you're going, there's only two places where you can go. And one is down and one is up. And we want you to go up. Yeah? We want you to go up. We want you to ascend in what God has for you. We want you to be up there with the King of Glory when you pass from this earth. The Bible says in the blink of an eye, you're gone. You're in heaven. You're in glory. This body that I have, this fleshly body, that'll, that'll go down into the ground or it'll get cremated or wherever it goes. But I'll be up there, I'll be in glory. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. Because there's none of that in heaven. There's none of that in heaven. And that's the day I look forward to. I don't want to go now. But it's the day I look forward to. It's the day I look forward to. And that's a promise for each and every person that's here. And that's a promise for each and every one of your family members. That they can be in the same places where you're going. And you need to tell them. You need to tell them about the love of God. You need to tell them that God made a way. So that they can go to the same place as you. You know? Let's read Acts 19, 1-7. Please, Sarah. Here we go. If you have your Bibles. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. I want you to put your finger on that. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. Then what kind of baptism did you experience, he asked them. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Acts 19. 
You see, it's amazing that Paul came to these believers and they haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. But when they had heard, they wanted it straight away. When they had heard, they wanted it straight away. Church, can I urge you? We speak about the Holy Spirit around liberty all the time because we know He's the fountain of all life. He's the one who gives us the power to overcome and live a victorious life in Christ. And here is what I want to tell you, church. It's yours. It's your inheritance. It's yours for the taking. It's like David says, if you have a cut finger there and uh, there's a first egg hit on the wall, you're going to go and get it and put it on your finger, aren't you? Well, you may have brains, you will. But listen, I want to tell you, as a born-again believer, that the Holy Spirit is yours, that the filling of the Holy Spirit is yours. If you're a born-again believer, when you give your life to Jesus, your spirit and God's spirit collide like this. Bang, your spirit is made new. Hence the term born again. Do you get me? Hence the term born again. Your spirit is made brand spanking new. Your spirit man on the inside is made brand new. But then there's another one after that. There's the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's the filling of the Holy Ghost that allows you to live a victorious life in Christ. It's like a car. You go out there now and your car is low on fuel. You're going to have to go to the garage and get it filled up, aren't you? Yeah, you look at the thermometer, you look at the fuel uh, gauge in the car, you're going to have to get it filled up again to get to where you want to go, yeah? You get me, short? Yeah. Well, it's the same with this life in Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the fuel for life in Christ. We need it. We need the fresh fill in the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit more times. Like, I want it all the time. You don't just get filled and that's it, that's the end of it. You know... I truly believe this with all my heart and, and the other day um, I was in the room and I was sharing this with Adele but I broke out into preaching and Adele was going go on Jay, go on Jay this was in the gap I just, this thing, this anointing come on me I don't know what it was but I just, I just, get, I just got gone and I was preaching and Adele was, I was talking about the tabernacle and I said Adele, where the tabernacle? where the tabernacle? she said, what do you mean Jay? I said, in the Old Testament you used to carry the presence of God everywhere with them be four or five men to be carrying it like that, to be carrying the tabernacle on their shoulder. But then because of what Jesus done on the cross, that he died and he rose again for us, that when we give our life to him and we get born again, now we become the tabernacle of God. We're the carriers of the presence of God. Everywhere we go, we have the presence of God living in us. Yeah? Whether you're in work, in your marriage, in your family home, in a prison, in a hospital, out on the street, wherever it is, you have the presence. You're the tabernacle of the living God. Imagine you have God Almighty living within you. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within. And here's what I know, and I know this for a fact, I have revelation of this. Right? That God chose broken people to carry His anointing and His power. Well, I tell you why. Because when you have a broken vessel, why would He choose, why would he choose a vessel that's perfect, no cracks in it, boom, lid on it, all that? Why would He choose that? His glory will be hidden there. His glory couldn't come out. But he chose broken vessels because we're cracked and we're leaking. So everywhere we go, the glory of God is coming out. The presence of God is coming out. It's touching loyal. It's touching broken city. It's touching broken people. Do you ever notice when you walk in somewhere and someone's, someone's looking at you? And uh, I walked into a garage, into a petrol garage last week in Clondalkin. And uh, these two young fellows were there and they seen me. And they hadn't seen me for a while. And they turned around. One, I heard one turn around saying to the other, if anybody can get off jokes, or if he can get off jokes, anybody can get off jokes. You see, they see something in you. Do you know what I mean? They see the glory of God emanating from you. You can't help but we're broken. The glory of God seeps out all over the place. 
You can't help it. You just can't help it. That's why God shows broken vessels. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. And we can't be perfect. Because if we were perfect, God couldn't use us. We'd be full of pride. We'd think we were like Him. That's what happened to uh, Satan. He got thrown out of heaven because he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be above God. But that's why I came to the altar here this morning is because I got down on my knees there and I said, Lord, I said, I'm getting on my knees because I want to make sure you're the Lord of my life, that you're over my life, not beneath you, that you're over my life. Because only the other day, Jay took on to being the Lord of his life. I was trying to work something out and it was wrecking my head for days. And thank God for a good wife. Adele turned around and she says to me, Jay, whoa, 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 relax. I says, what? You're trying to control your own life here. You're trying to work all this out in yourself. I said, what do you mean? God is in control. You gave your life to Jesus. God is above your life. He's in control. He's ordaining your steps, not you. It was like a slap in the face I got. Like a slap in the face I got. But it woke me up. It woke woke me up to realise that when you give your life to Jesus, you give him control of your life. And sometimes we take it back. Sharon was talking about it downstairs. Sometimes you take it back. And you know what happens when you take it back? All over the shop. All over the shop. Sometimes, like, when I gave my life to Jesus, I said, Lord, I want you to be in control of my life. I want you to be in the driver's seat. Sometimes I get in and say, Lord, move over. <laughs> so I mean, I do. Move over. I ain't telling God to move over. I take control. You know what happens when Jay takes control? I end up in a ditch. Do you know what I mean? I end up in a ditch. But who pulls me out? God. Jesus. His arm is not too short for to save, yeah? That's what the Bible says. But I want to tell you that if God is in control of your life, no matter what's going on, I could tell you loads of stories about God getting me out of trouble and getting down this and that. But I want to tell you, that's not, there's another day for that, but I want to tell you that that's why Sharon called you here this morning and that's why she brought you up to the front this morning because sometimes we're mere humans, we're broken vessels, we're people that take back control of our lives and sometimes we don't mean it and God knows we don't mean it, right? That we put God to one side and we step out and we say, I am leading my steps. They're not being ordained by God anymore. You're not saying that but what you're doing is, is you're doing it and I'm guilty of it all the time. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. Right? Because He lets you know. And He's the one that empowers you. And He's the one that fills you up. And He's the one that gives you the power to live a victorious life. Amen? Amen. Amen. No wonder Zechariah prophesied. It's not by me. It's not by my. It's not by power. But it's by your Spirit, O Lord. Huh? Zechariah knew. It was by the Spirit of God. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, we are saved. But we struggle to overcome things in our life that has held us back. Anybody there? Or am I the only one? I have two hands. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. We get born again. And let me tell you, if someone tells you when you give your life to Jesus that everything's going to be perfect, he's lying. Let me tell you, he's lying. Right? He's lying. But I want to tell you, that no matter what you're going through, he'll be with you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
If God be for you, who can be against you? Yeah? We know we want to do the right thing, but we keep failing. Don't we? We know we want to do the right thing, but we keep failing. More than likely because we haven't got the filling of the Holy Spirit or we're not inviting them into that place of hurt or pain or struggle. That's what we do. We don't invite the Holy Spirit into that place. We don't invite God into that place of struggle. We don't invite God into that place of hurt. Them insecurities, I have them. Them fears, I have them. But we don't invite God into them. But I feel the Lord is saying this morning that he's given you the power to overcome. He's given you the Holy Ghost. And one of Jesus says, go up and wait. He says to them, wait. You're going to receive power from on high. Why was he saying that? Because he knew he needed it. To live a life for Christ, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. Otherwise it goes into religion. Otherwise it's flesh. And you know what religion will do? It'll bound you up in knots. And it'll push you away from God rather than bring you to him. But if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have a friend. You have one that looks out for you. Listen, I mean this, right? I said this to someone last week. I'm going to do deals on cars now. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is pricing cars for me. I mean that. I'm not messing with you. God wants to be within every part of your life. I remember when I first got saved. All my thoughts were was drugs, 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 drugs. Before I got saved, sorry. I give my life to Jesus. I get born again. And I remember the Holy Spirit telling me every morning, Philip Richards, and he's not here to tell you, open life on Holy Spirit used to remind me to brush my teeth. Why? Because he wanted to be involved in every part of my life. And the reason why he reminded me was, was because one, he was breaking something in me. Because all I reached for the minute I woke up in the morning was my drugs. Do you know what I mean? So he was training me in another way. And God wants to be involved in every part of your life. In every part of it. So more than likely, that's because we haven't got the filling of the Holy Spirit and we're not inviting him into that place. Is everybody with me? Yeah. yeah? Look at what Paul says in Romans 7. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do, what is right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul that went around doing miracles, signs and wonders for God, doing amazing stuff, Paul himself turned around and says, Look, I tried to do the right thing, but I can't do it. He knew there was a battle going on. He knew there was something going on between the spirit and the flesh. But he knew, Paul knew, that he needed the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome all of this in his life. No wonder. No wonder the Lord sent Paul to the Jews. Right? He sent Paul to the Jews. And they always wondered why he sent Paul to the Jews. Because Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew everything about the law. He sat under Gamal. He knew everything about the law. There was no one that could barter out the, the law of God with Paul. But he sent him to the Jews. That's right, Jeff. And then he sent him to the Gentiles. But you know what? Paul had to rely on the Holy Spirit all the time. Because when he was coming up, when he was coming to the Gentiles, which, which are us, Paul had to rely on the Holy Spirit. Because if it was Jews or if it was Pharisees, Paul could battle it out with them and he'd probably win them over in an argument on the scriptures or on the law. But when it came to the Gentiles, and Paul had to rely on the Holy Spirit, he knew he needed the power of the Holy Spirit 
in order for to bring the gospel to Ephesus, as we're talking about here, and then out into the greater regions of the world. And that's the same for us today. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. We need, and I have to keep telling myself that, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit because it's the fuel for life in Christ. Amen? In this passage of Scripture, Paul is talking about the struggles of the sin in our life. That's chapter 7. But that all changes when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying there's not going to be struggles at times, but with God, all things are possible. For if God be for you, if God be for you, Amen. No wonder Paul says this, I love this about Paul. Here's how I know he had to rely on the Holy Ghost so much, right? Paul says this, I don't come with eloquent words, but I come with the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Huh? Paul knew that words were just mere words, yeah? Paul knew that words were just mere words, but he knew that he had to have the Holy Spirit in order for to do the things of God. He knew, I know by this statement that Paul makes, he knew that he knew that he knew. He had to have the Holy Spirit active and working in his life at all times. I say Paul used to have to wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, come, fill me. He'd done that much for God. He went to places for God that he was broken up and beaten and wrecked. It says that Paul was like, like this by the time he went to be with the Lord. It says that every bone was broken in his body probably five or ten times. He was a wreck. But he kept going. But Paul, I can only imagine him. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me. I need your power. He would have happened to say that every morning. And that's us. That's what we need. We need to wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me. Fill me for this day, Lord. Fill me for this day, Lord. Paul knew he couldn't live this life in Christ without the power. You see, John's baptism was repentance of sin. So when you come to the Lord Jesus, you come to the Lord Jesus, you get born again, right? You come to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. You accept what he's done on the cross for you. You're therefore born again. That's your call to repentance. That's what John was preaching. John was preaching the ministry of, of repentance. Then Jesus comes along and gives us the power to overcome sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you get it? You're born again, and you come on to the next level. You're filled. Jesus fills you with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, each and every person here this morning will be given the opportunity right, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll be going out here like the Ready Breck Kid. You know what I mean? Did you ever see the Ready Breck Kid years ago in the ads where he was glowing? Yeah? Or you'll be like Michael Jackson, wherever you walk, be footprints all behind you. I mean the power of God. But that's what I mean. That's what I mean. You need the power of God in your life. I remember when I first got saved. I remember when I first got saved. I knew I was born again. Two, December 2010. Do you remember the bad snow? Christmas Eve it was. And a couple of days before that, I was sitting on a step in town. And I looked up into the sky and I felt that size. I mean, I felt that size. I felt like the whole world was looking down on me. I felt I was at my lowest point. I'd come to a place in my life where money, goods, property, all that stuff, it was all gone. Where was it? It was all gone. I was left in a place of utter despair. Didn't know what I was going to do. I felt like I was that size. I was sitting around there off O'Connor Street. I was sitting on the step and I felt that size. I felt like the whole world was looking down on me. But you see, God had a plan. He had a plan for my life like he has for each and every one of you. Three days later, 
I ended up going to Lifeline. My dad drove me across there. I remember the ticks now on the ground. I was in bits. I was about eight stone. I was on drugs for over 25 or 26 years. And uh, I actually started using drugs in this area here, up in them flats. Because you couldn't get it where I came from, from Dawkin. Holiest place on earth. It's <laughs> true. So, um, I was broken. Physically, mentally, spiritually. I was in all sorts of problems with the court. I had threats on my life. People tried to kill me. There was all sorts going on for me. My back was against the wall. Where was all my friends? Where was all the people that was around me? All the, all the members and all the... Where, where were they all? When I had all the money. They were there. Where were they now when I needed them? But there was one who showed up for me. And his name was Jesus. His name was Jesus. I walked up, you see guys, because he's faithful. He's faithful. I walked up to the doors of life. Actually, I didn't walk up. I think I probably would have crawled because they were going to amputate my two legs from using drugs. And it was about ice down. And I remember getting to the doors in 2010 and the snow was on the ground. And I felt so insecure. I'm bringing myself back to that place now. I felt so insecure and fearful at that time because I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what was happening with me. And the, the throes of life and all the baggage and all the hurt of life was with me. Standing at the door of that place on Christmas Eve. And it says, God, I don't know who you are or where you are. But I know you're out there somewhere. Here's what's left of me. There and then, I was born again. That moment, I knew I was home. That moment, I, ne- I knew that I knew that I knew I never had to go back to the life I came from. Just like Sharon was saying, you don't have to go back to that life. When you get born again, you have someone else in control of your life. Is that right, Richie? You have someone else in control of your life. And when you lean on him and ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come, that's the fuel for life, and that's what gets you through this life in Christ. Amen? Amen. But I remember, before I got filled with the Holy Spirit... I was born again before I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I still had a bad tongue. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Because I was human. It was flesh. Or the tongue that would have cut you in half. And I couldn't give up the cigarettes. I was delivered from drugs. I was delivered from all of that. There and then I was delivered from drugs. I never took another drug again in my life. But I couldn't give up the cigarettes. And Philip Richardson was going off as nut. But he couldn't find the smokes. He was going off as nut. He knew I was smoking but couldn't prove it. And I was a genius at getting out of stuff and hiding stuff because I hid stuff all my life. And uh, yeah, for the Houdini. So anyway, he came to me one day and he says to me, I want to tell you this, Jay. He said, we're going up to a meeting tonight. He said, but I'm telling you now, by the time we come home, if you hadn't, haven't handed up them smokes and all that stuff, he says, you're gone. Right? So really fair enough. So anyway, we went to a meeting. I went, there was an altar call. I went up for healing. Right? I went up for healing because my two legs were wrapped. I went up for healing, but the power of God came on me and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right? That was the, what I'm talking about, guys. The filling of the Holy Spirit. I no longer wanted to have a cigarette. No longer. I had Michael Cleary chugging down. We guys, the smokes, right? The smoke. I was like, I was like, I don't want to smoke anymore. I went back to the gap and I got Philip 80 smokes and three lighters. He nearly, he nearly fell out of standing. But that's what I'm telling you. The power to overcome was in me now. I didn't want to smoke anymore. And not only that, I, I knew there was something here in my throat. There was something in my throat here that wanted to come out. And it was the baptism of tongues. And I, I was half afraid to let it out. 
because I was like, what's going on here? There was, there's another language that wants to come out, but I was afraid. I didn't know whether I was going to swear or curse or whatever I was going to do. But I went up to the room on my own and I let it out one day and I just started singing in, in tongues. Started singing in tongues. I was telling Jay the other day, I felt this heaviness coming on me. And I knew it wasn't tiredness. It was spiritual. I had this heaviness come on me. I couldn't shake it off. And the Lord whispered in my ear, the Holy Spirit, well, he whispered in my ear, he says, Jay, I'm going to swap the, the garment. I'm going to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I knew there and then it was spiritual. I started worshipping the Lord in the car and I started speaking in tongues and there and then, bang, it broke. Why? Because I had the power now to overcome. Amen? So this is the power that I'm talking to you about. So church, at that time, I overcame all of this. But listen, we're not perfect. Right? We still struggle. But what I want to ask you this morning is, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you met Him? Have you met the Holy Ghost? And if you haven't, that's alright, because you can meet Him this morning. You can meet Him this morning. And if you haven't been born again, I want to tell you, if you don't know where you're going this morning when you walk out of here, if you don't know where your eternity rests, if you're not right with God, if you're not right with God, and I don't mean you have to be perfect coming before God because you don't. Because I was broken, I was full of sin and I came to God and he saved me. You see, God does the cleaning up, not us. We can't do it. 